Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Bless them as they pour out in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you welcome them? Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah, so here we are in a new month, a new series, and it's called Healthy Relationships. And so what we're going to do this month is look at our most common relationships, uh, marriage, the parent-child relationship between your coworkers, friends, and um, we're going to apply biblical truth so that we can improve the health of each one of these most important relationships. Well, today... Bill and I are excited to share the sermon with you, and our topic is marriage. <laughs> marriage is what brings us to Gava today. Okay, has anyone not seen? <laughs> anyone who hasn't seen it is wondering what in the world you're doing right Raise now. Raise your hand if you have not seen The Princess Bride. Okay. Well, after you watch it, you might think that was funny. But Bill made me do that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, thank you, Marilee. That, that endlessly entertained me this morning. So we're off to a good start, in my opinion. All right. So Bill and I have been married for almost 20 years. It's and... a blessed arrangement. Yes. It's are, a are dweem you, within a dweem. Are you going to preach the whole sermon like that? With all my R's sounding like W's. <clears throat> no, I don't think so. Nice okay. try. Okay, nice try. so back to our... So we've been married for almost 20 years, and we we love our marriage. We've had lots of low lows and lots of high highs, and we've received a lot of help along the way, and we um, have helped a lot of people along the way, and so this is just a topic that's near and dear to our heart. And so what we're going to do is look at a lot of different passages from the Bible and apply it to marriage. Now, what about all the wonderful singles in the room? I just want to say that the Holy Spirit, he's going to do his sneaky, awesome act, which is take what we say and apply it, because a lot of these things we talk about can be applied to all relationships. He's going to apply it to relationships with your roommates and your friends and your dating relationships, and so it's just going to be great for all of us, and it's really important to know what the Bible has to say about any given topic, right? Because it gives you a fuller understanding of scripture and a deeper understanding of God, and then it equips you to help others. And so I just believe this is going to be a blessing for all of us in the room. Marilee, should I stop skipping all the parts of scripture that don't apply to me then? I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I'm just kidding. I didn't follow that joke. I don't always get all of his jokes. Just just chuckle. But many of them laughed. That's a marriage tip. Just chuckle when your husband says something and smiles. (laughs) Perfect. She's good. That's funny. She's good. Okay. She's practiced. So um, we're going to start at the beginning. (laughs) We are starting at the beginning. In Genesis 2.24, God institutes marriage. And here is what it says. Therefore... A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So we're going to talk about that verse for a minute. That's why we make jokes so good together, because we're one flesh. So yeah, marriage is a union designed by God. We find it in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, for sure. Um, 
when God creates humanity, he says it's not good to be alone. And so he makes a counterpart. He makes a mirror image. He makes um, another like man, but not like man, that's just specially made and designed for him. They're designed for each other. And when Adam Caesar, he says, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So we're cut from the same bone, the same cloth. I like to mix my cliches. And um, we're from the same thing, but we're different. And we're designed to fit together. That's God's design for us in marriage. And he, he tells these people in the first marriage to be fruitful and multiply. So he's looking for us to have children, you know, and that this design for a family is where children are best raised. Um, and later in Malachi chapter 2, the Lord says he desires godly offspring. And so this is kind of just the basic, basic picture of what the Bible says about marriage and about the family unit. It's really popular in our culture and our day for marriage to be devalued or redefined or for people to say that it's obsolete and you can do it a different way. But as Christians, our aim is to live as God designed and intended to read scripture, see what it says for us and try to follow that with our lives, live it out. So what we value is that we save sex for the marriage context. You know, we believe that marriage is one man and one woman. And when we get married, we commit, just like God is committed to us, to provide uh, steadfast love to our spouse like we studied in the previous series, series, to love them with faithfulness like God has promised to love his people with faithfulness for a whole lifelong relationship. Yeah, so the thing I want to touch on this verse before we move on, what jumped out at me is the unity that's in this verse. And um, God values unity so much. He is unity. The whole Old Testament says over and over here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And then there's just countless verses in the New Testament where Paul and, and Jesus and all these authors are like, be one, have unity, be of one spirit, be of one mind, make every effort to keep the unity. And so what jumped out at me is like, here again, unity is so important to you, God. You put it right here in marriage that a, a man leaves his father and mother, is united with his wife, and the two become one. And so we're reminded in marriage to really value unity because it's such a high value for God. And it takes work. We have to um, sometimes work to, to value it and, and cultivate it and protect it, protect it against things that would want to break apart your unity with your spouse. So I just wanted to say that. And then... Maybe say that punchline. Oh, my punchline. Marital unity provides a physical picture of unity that God values so much. That's a good one. Thank you. Okay. So the next question, if you want to click the slide, why does God care so much about marriage? Well, we can begin to answer this question in Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus 18 is the first law section that talks about marriage. And when we read it, we realize, wow, God cares a lot about marriage, about women, about children, and about how we handle our bodies. And so the main purpose for these commands that he gives in Leviticus 18 was to distinguish Israel from all the nations that were surrounding them because all the nations that were surrounding them were practicing all the kinds of sexual immorality 
that are listed. Um, and incidentally, um, whenever uh, sexual immorality is um, stated later in the Bible, it's referring back to this full list. Every time it's said, it's not going to repeat the whole chapter. And so you can know whenever it says sexual immorality later, it's referring to the whole of Leviticus 18. But um, so God wants Israel to be faithful and righteous in their relationships because God is faithful and righteous in his. And so marital faithfulness is a picture of God's covenant faithfulness to his people. And this value is continued into the New Testament in Jesus' teachings. So marriage between a husband and a wife is to be a picture of Jesus in the church. Um, in the Gospels, Jesus calls himself our husband or our bridegroom. So isn't that interesting? So one day we're all going to actually be married. If you're a believer, we're all marrying Jesus. So that's happening. <laughs> Jesus, so to get back to where we're going here, Jesus is the faithful husband of anyone who puts their trust in him. And so because of that, we want to love our spouse, be faithful to our spouse, lay down our lives for our spouse, because Jesus did that for us. He laid his life down for us. Absolutely. That's a great segue into my little bit here about sacrifice. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul gives a few directives to believers, um, specifically to married couples. He says, first, submit to one another. Then he tells wives to submit to their husbands and husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And as I highlight those three points, I bet all around the room and those of you watching online are having all different reactions, especially to that wives submit to your husbands statement. And I just want us to like realize there's some real key marital gold. There's some gold nuggets in this verse that we miss if we spend all of our mental energy on asking who's the boss. Does the Bible say the man's the boss right here? And we, and I read this, I read that. Like if we could just like put that in a little, little or a big box, whatever size box you need to put that in, just like set it aside for a second and let's go back to what Paul just said. He said, submit to one another. Actually, it says out of reverence for Christ, Submit to one another. And then he says these things. Submit to your husband's wives. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the picture as a whole, if we set that little box aside, is really about setting aside our pride, humbling ourselves, and being willing to sacrifice. To get low, to support someone else, to get behind them, to come alongside them, to get in their camp and in their corner and do what is best for them. And that can really help a marriage be strong. It is not easy, and I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I'm saying it's important, um, much more important than that other conversation that we could have at a different time. Um, when we think about sacrificial living, it should come like normal to us. If you've been a Christian for a while, if you've been going to church here for a while, the idea of sacrifice as a Christian should seem totally normal. Like in John 13, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. That's a low thing to do, in case you didn't realize it. And he was God in the flesh. And he washed his disciples' feet. And then he said, I did this for you guys. I expect you to do it for each other. 
That's a powerful thing that he did. Um, and it's so important for us to do in all relationships, especially in marriage. I think, too, of uh, Philippians chapter 2, you know, although he was God, he didn't consider that something to cling to, but he made himself nothing. He took on the form or the nature of a servant and was obedient to death on a cross. Mm -hmm. That's like the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus did it first. So he's not asking us to do anything he wasn't willing to do. Amen? Amen. All right, let's chase that. So there's a great value in marriage, kind of as a side note along the sacrificial thing. There's a great value in a marriage because marriage rocks your boat, my dear friends. If you're not married, you may not realize this yet. If you are, you probably do. But your life uh, no longer revolves around just you when you get married. We, by nature, we are kind of self-centered beings. Our sinful fallen nature, the way we are, human nature, is to think about self first. And when you get married, something happens. <laughs> like, there's just a whole other person involved every day, every decision. You know, what do you, where do you want to go for dinner on date night? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Just kidding. But anyways, um, that's how it really works. That's how it really works. So marriage is this tool that God can use to sanctify us. Yeah. It's this tool that God can use in our life to knock us out of our daily routine of our self-centeredness and make us be other-centered. It's slowly doing its job on me. It's effective, I'm finding. Slowly but surely, <laughs> it is working on my self-centeredness. You know, the universe, I think, literally revolves around God. Maybe, not, maybe that's not good physics. I don't know. Uh, maybe it doesn't quite work that way. Uh, whatever. But he created it. <laughs> He spoke it into existence. It's his universe. So it does revolve around him, but he doesn't act like it does, does he? He actually made us the center of his universe. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. We're that joy. And so although it's all his, he didn't act like it was. And we follow again in the example of Jesus when we're married. You know, my tendency is for the world to revolve around me, but I got to get out of that way of thinking if I'm going to live like Jesus and make it all about merrily sometimes. Oh, yeah, probably, probably more often than I, than I made before. I th was that, that was a slip. I didn't even plan that one. But it was kind of funny. Marilyn, you better take over right now. Is it my turn? Let this sermon revolve around you for a minute. Oh, good, nice good tie in there. Okay, so the next two things I'm going to talk about is that marriage is a blessing and how to love well. So marriage is a gift. It's one of the ways that God pours out his favor. And Proverbs 18, says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and incurs favor from God. Amen. And so God gave marriage as a gift to humanity as a whole and to the individual. He did that for Adam when he noted, hey, it's not good for him to be alone. And so it was a demonstration of God's favor and love pouring out. And he continues to do that. He continues to pour out the gift and his favor by um, marriage, whether our culture incentivizes it or not. It doesn't uh, diminish the fact that it's this wonderful gift from God. Now, um, 
What about if you're single? Does that mean you miss out on, on um, God's gifts? Well, no. Um, I would say you have a different gift. Um, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul was um, very much in favor of living um, as a single person um, because he was all about being completely devoted to God having no divided interest. And he says, hey, if you're married, that's not wrong if you get married, but if you get married, you are going to be concerned about the things of this world and how you can please your spouse. And so there is um, blessing and value there. It's a different blessing, but there is um, blessing in singleness as well, undivided devotion to God. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. So um, when we're married... We, um, we are thinking about how can I please my spouse? And that is good, and we should think about that. And, um, and so what I want to talk about now is how you can show your love, how you can show love to your spouse in the most meaningful way. And so what you want to think about is how can I honor them and who they are by tailoring how I'm showing them love to the ways that they receive it most? And um, so let's say they are really filled up by affirming words. Well, then you're going to want to make a point regularly to be really positive and give sincere compliments and praise and just tell them, verbalize whenever you think they did something great instead of just thinking it. You make sure you get the words out, too, because that fills them up. Let's say um, they love physical touch. Then you make that extra effort to hold their hand, rub their arm, give them a hug, give them a back rub, because that is going to really minister them. Let's say it's quality time. Then that means you can't be busy from morning till night. Um, you've got to take out, carve out a little bit of time, even if it's just 15 minutes, to sit down, look them in the eye, and have a conversation. Um, and so, and maybe it's, um, they are really blessed by acts of service. When you do something that makes their life easier, they just feel so loved. And so you want to always be thinking, Hey, what could I do that would make your life easier today? And that is going to really fill them up. So each spouse, um, each person actually has like an invisible love bank, and so you want to think about how can I deposit and fill them up and so that they're running on full because it's terrible to be running on fumes, running on empty. It's just no um, way to be married and it's no fun at all. And so it's so worth it to figure out how does my spouse love to be loved and then learn how to love them in that way. It's so easy to just give them the love the way Maybe you were shown love growing up or the way you like to receive love, and often it's never the same um, as your spouse. And so you got to have that, work that out, and it's so fruitful. And the list continues. Maybe it's gifts. They're so blessed by the thoughtfulness of, hey, I was thinking of you and got you this thing. Or maybe it's just being really conscientious and honoring what they honor and being sensitive and caring about the things that are uh, important to them. So those are just some ideas. Um, there's two books I'll refer you to if you want more on that. They're His Needs, Her Needs, and The Five Love Languages. And those are really beneficial as you learn this skill in marriage. <clears throat> I want to read a verse to you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians 3, 12. 
Colossians 3, 12 through 14. It says, therefore, as God, wait. <laughs> well, while we wait for, okay. for people to turn there, I was just going to say, oh, that was a really good job on that last slide. Thanks, Let's just honey. take a minute, spend some quality time, reflect on what a good job you did on that last one. I didn't have a time to get her a gift, guys. I was trying to hit all of them. I was like, how can I do that? That's pretty good. Good job. <laughs> she really does like that physical so, touch one. So when he, oh, this is like a good test. Because when he just did all those, the one I liked the most was the shoulder rub. So physical touch <laughs> means more to me than the other ones, I guess. So you can do these like sneaky little tests on your spouse or, or your kids or anybody it applies. So anyway, Jeff, are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I love this passage for marriage. Yeah. Each word so directly applies to having a healthy marriage. Clothe yourself with compassion. You have to have compassion for your spouse and show kindness. It's so easy at the end of the day. You've been trying hard to be kind to everybody all day, and then... And then you just kind of, with your spouse, you're not very kind. And it's just so valuable to be kind to them and, and to have humility, to be willing to um, put your viewpoint down enough to understand where they're coming from and be willing to be wrong sometimes. And humility is necessary and having gentleness and patience bearing with one another. It, you're going to change. Like Bill talked about, he's done so much changing. I've done so much changing. We've had to bear with one another and have patience in the process, in the long haul. And then forgiveness. Oh, we have to forgive. If, if, and it, it's like forgiving really frequently for little things. Because if you let anything begin to divide or wedge, even if it's just a little annoyance, it could be a big thing too um, that that might take a little bit longer to work through and process. But if we're not uh, forgiving again and again, there's this little wedge, and then all of a sudden, you're just so distanced emotionally, and it's not a healthy, it's not a healthy marriage. And then above all these, put on love, which binds them all together. It's so important, and I went through all the different ways you can love your spouse. It's so valuable. Yeah, totally. Makes me think of that verse that says love covers a multitude of sin as well. It's like the, the make up for it thing. You know, you can screw up, but if you just love and you just keep at it, uh, you can work it out. So um, the things that Marilee's talking about are like the, the long haul marriage stuff. You know, the things that help you have a lifelong healthy marriage relationship. And there's a misconception in our world today, I'm sure that you've heard it, you know, that this kind of in love experience, the high of the early part of the relationship is like what to aim for and what you're supposed to keep. It's a total fallacy. 
this like honeymoon period or this emotional high is not something that lasts and you should expect it not to last because you know it's like being on just totally hopped up on caffeine forever that's not healthy and that's not good for you and being totally head over heels in love nothing else matters in the world and i don't think about anything but her is not healthy for the long haul it's what sparks a relationship it's good it's not bad um, but it's bad if we think that's how it's supposed to remain forever. And it causes all sorts of problems when it fades for people. They start thinking, oh my gosh, I married the wrong person. No, you're going through a natural part of the process where that high emotional high fades and the real marriage begins where you put in work and stuff gets hard sometimes, but it is so deep and rich and meaningful if you can get over that hump and work through it. The other, so people think they, they, it's the wrong person, or they think, I just fell out of love, and so now I need to move on. That's another big fallacy that's really, really common in our day. It kind of comes back to that self-centeredness, too, like, you're not doing it for me anymore, I'm just going to move on. And that's messed up, and that's not what the Bible says, that's not the way that Christian marriage is intended to be. We should expect feelings to fade. We'll still have highs and lows. We have some awesome moments where it's like, I love her so stinking much, I can't believe it. I was away this week for work for three days, and when I came home, I was just so happy to see her and the kids. Um, so there's still highs and lows, but the thing that is important, I go back to that last series where we talked about the characteristics of God, steadfast love and faithfulness. That's kind of the characteristics that should be in our marriage relationships. Yeah. That promise-keeping, sticking with it, thick or thin, I'm going to be there, I'm reliable, you can count on me to be faithful and true to you. All right, that was a side note. Don't worry, we're not going to run over just because of the long side note. Okay, understanding and honor. These are like concepts that I think are really, really, really helpful in marriage to be understanding and to honor your spouse. Um, look at Ephesians 5.33 and 1 Peter 3 on your own. I'm not, not going to read them to you this morning, um, but they talk about these concepts. There's a, a direction for husbands. Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor. So I kind of thought about this a couple years ago, and I'm like, all right, here's what I think it means. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. Speaking for all women in the room right now, this is dangerous ground. I'm just kidding. I signed off on it. I think it's oh, pretty good. good. Oh, there it is. I missed it. In blood. Good. I'm good to go. Golly. You guys get me off track so quickly. Would you, would you just? Okay. <laughs> So uh, I, think, I think what a woman is, to be understanding and honoring to a woman in a marriage, I think it means you get in her shoes long enough to understand where she's coming from, and then you communicate that you value it. All right? I find this difficult. Like, Marilee starts to tell me something after I come home from work. I've been, I've been engineering all day, where, like, the whole point of my job is to, there's problem, fix problem. You know, there's problem, fix problem, root cause analysis. You know, like this is the way I've spent my whole day and I come home and she starts talking to me and I'm like, how do I start fixing these problems? <clears throat> it's not understanding and honoring as it turns out. <laughs> Gosh. But what is valuable is if I start to go, okay, there's feelings behind these words, you know, like, oh, she's telling me about her day here. Like, oh, what's going on? How does that make her feel? What is she thinking about it? What do you think? would be something to do with that. 
all of these things, asking questions and not solving problems, starts to help me get in her shoes or make her feel like I've put my arm around her and I'm with her in it, and then value you know, how she feels about it, where she's coming from, what she thinks she wants to do about it. You know, Maybe give input if she wants it <laughs> after I've done all that other stuff. Okay, so I think you know what I'm getting at there. Um, wives are, are instructed in these scriptures to offer love and respect to their husbands. And that word respect, it speaks to me deeply as a husband. Um, Marilee talked about different like kind of physical ways, like words of affirmation and physical touch ways to love. To me, giving respect is a way that really loves me deeply. Um, and what I think this one means, I signed off on this one in blood. I'm speaking for all the men in the room, but I, I can a little better on this one. To me, I think respect means like you see who I am and what I'm about and you buy in especially when I'm taking the lead. So when I'm in leadership on something, you buy in and you're supportive and you're behind me, and I know it. To me, that's respect, and it just hits the sweet spot for me. Makes me so happy. <laughs> All right. So, um, okay, understanding. So there's this thing in Scripture. It's in the Old Testament. Jesus says it. Galatians 5.14 says it as well. Why did I reference that one and not Jesus? I don't know, you guys, but I just did. <laughs> It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so love your neighbor like you love yourself. How do you love yourself? Do you even know yourself? I hope so. It's actually, I find it hard to know myself well. Marilee's like, how do you feel right now? I don't know. Mad. Bill, mad. Bill fixed problem today. Bill couldn't fix one. Bill, mad. Sometimes it's that simple for me. <laughs> How did you guys get me off track again? Golly, I asked you. I'm having fun. I hope you are. At least laugh at me if you're not laughing with me. As long as you're laughing, I'll never know the difference. So to love yourself well, you kind of got to get to know yourself. You need to understand yourself. And if you go through the process, really finding out who you are, what you're good at, what you like, what you don't like, these things are helpful for you living your life. It's really helpful in a marriage to be able to communicate to your spouse things about you so they can come to understand you better. So that's a good process, understanding yourself. And it will actually help you learn to understand your spouse, right? I had to ask myself all these questions to get to know myself. What do I like? What do I don't like? Why did you get mad about that? Why did you get sad about that? What made you so happy yesterday? Those are great questions to ask your spouse too. And so if you've done it with yourself, you can do it with your spouse. Very, very good. Again, I just keep highlighting these cultural things that are pitfalls and traps, but it's really, really common in our day to just live in this place of know yourself, you know, as like a lifelong motto of like, I'm ever finding my purpose and my goal in life and what I'm designed for and built for. And I just said that's good. So don't th you know, now think that I'm saying it's not good. It is good. I don't think it's a good place to like build your house and live in forever. Right? Like you need to, especially like teenage years, most of the teenagers have left, and young adulthood, you guys are still here, I'm glad for that. That's a really good phase of life to spend time on this, you know? And it's okay to take some time figuring that out. It's not an instantaneous thing. I said I wouldn't go over and here I am. But don't live there, then move on. Then like share that with somebody, share who you are, get to know somebody else. Don't let, it, don't let that universe revolve around yourself forever especially when you get married, it's just trouble. All right, does that make sense? I hope that makes sense.
Marilee, can you wrap this thing up? I don't, Are you done? I've got no chance. Yeah. You finished all your stuff? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Okay, so we we are going to close now. I lost and my I lost my clicker, Diane. Maybe you could advance the slide for us one. Thank you. Yeah. So what we want to do is just wrap up now and give us all an opportunity to pray and think about some of the things that we talked about this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe there's um, a perspective that you've had um, that you want to change this morning, or you know, you realize there's a relationship or something about your marriage that you want to work on. Um, you know, maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to forgive yourself for falling short in, um, in these ways, and we've all fallen short. But if you're um, still pretty you know, upset and beating yourself up over that, shows you need to forgive yourself because Jesus forgave you, and so you can forgive too. Um, but yeah, just in review, we talked about how God instituted marriage, cares deeply about it, and how it represents God's faithfulness to his people. And Jesus is the faithful husband to the church, and so we ought to live sacrificially like he did in mutual submission to one another. We talked about how marriage is a gift and how important it is to love well, love effectively, specifically for your spouse. We talked about the value of understanding one another and honoring them. So let's just stand and pray in closing. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just, we thank you for the truth that is abundant in your word. And thank you that we were able to look at a few of those passages today, and I just pray you would um, cause what we said to um, hit hearts in all the different ways that it needs to be um, applied, and so we just trust you to do that. Yeah, God, and we pray a blessing over the marriages of New Day, God, that they would be healthy, strong marriages for all of our New Day families, Lord, that you would build strong families here at this church raise children in a good situation here at this church, Lord, to know and love you. God, help us to do a good job of reflecting uh, how much you love us by how we love each other in all relationships and in this unique way in marriage. God, we bless the single people in the room, people in every different life situation, God. I pray that, you know, if they are in a season of getting to know themselves, what are they going to do with their life or um, what career choices, because they're a young person, Lord. I pray you bless that process, that they would see you in it, that they would hear your voice, your leading guide. Lord, those who have been married but aren't now, Lord, I pray that you would bless their friendships and the other relationships they have in their life. Pray for fruitfulness for those who are, who are older, God, that they would mm -hmm. share their wisdom with those of us who are younger, that we would be able to learn from them. Mm. We thank you and we honor people um, in that stage of life as well, God. Lord, this series is just so, so good for us to take time to focus on relationships. You're all about that. We love that about you. You want relationship with us. Help us to, to follow your lead and have good relationships with others. Amen. Amen. Amen.